The following program is part of the Inner Circle Podcasting Group. Go to innercirclecomics.com this for more high-quality podcasts. This podcast is Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and by listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate Now to become a supporter. Hi, this is Phil Netto, artist of Black Widow, and you're listening to The Two-Headed Nerd with Joe and Matt. Sort of break it, break it down like this. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat in Omaha, deep below the metro area, it's my pleasure to welcome you to THN episode 226. We're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, September 30th. September is already gone. The witching season is upon us, Joe Patrick. My name is Matt Baum. That's at Matt Baum, on the Twitter. And when I'm not readying my mother for a flood of negative comments on my people page coming soon, where you get to rate people like Yelp. What a horrible idea. Yeah. <laughs> I'm writing the comic speculator blog for wordpoint.com. I can't wait to see my page. <laughs> and I'm Joe Patrick. That's at JoePatrick116 on the Twitter. And when I'm not fending off Matt's attempts to force me to watch Hellraiser again, I'm the former manager of Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. Yeah, toughen up, son. This week, you're going to hear our reviews of Sandman Overture, number six, and From Under Mountains, number one. From Under. After that, we'll review ten of this week's new comics faster than the Martian Manhunter can kick us out of the private Martian pool during the ludicrous speed round. Then, we'll visit the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where the outgoing Speaker of the House, John Boner, will sit down to join us for a glass of wine and some talk of next week's comics. But... Before we kick off Rocktober in the ziggurat, let's wave goodbye to the Pope. And then we can get back to the business of driving this country to hell. And we can talk about this week's big news. We got big news. Item number one, Matt Bomb. <laughs> Chip Zdarsky won and then declined a Harvey Award. Is this kind of a dick move? It's not a dick move. It's kind of a dick move. Listen to the story. I, I know. Last weekend, Zdarsky won the special award for humor for his work on sex criminals. Zdarsky chose to decline the award on the grounds that it made no mention of his sex criminals collaborator, series writer Matt Fraction. In a post on his blog, Zdarsky elaborated, writing, quote, it's nice having people realize how special I am and how humor I am. <laughs> and I truly appreciate everyone who voted for me. Like, but the guy really is humor. He is humor. <laughs> but the award as it stands doesn't make a lot of sense. The fact that I was nominated for a humor award for sex criminals without the writer of said series, my beloved chum, Matt Fraction, is wrong on every level. I pointed this out to the Harvey Awards and told them I wish to have Matt on the ballot with me or to remove me completely. And they declined to do either. Okay, I get this. Okay, I have to go with him because I constantly talk about how the Grammys are bullshit. You just called him a dick. Well, stay with me here. I constantly talk about how the Grammys are bullshit because, like, how, what do these categories even mean? Like, best rock performance. Is that live? Is that on a video? Is that at the halftime at the Super Bowl? What does that even mean? You know, and like the people that they give awards What's to. What's the difference between record of the year and album of the year? Right, exactly. Exactly. And so. I guess I love the Harvey Awards because they're giving awards to comics and that's a good thing. And there's a lot of history behind him and whatnot, but he's right. It's a weird award. They give it to him for humor. He's the artist. I mean, he's also writing some stuff and he's doing some funny but stuff. They, okay. But they gave it to him for sex criminals. Right. They didn't say, Hey, Chip Zdarsky writer of Howard the duck, Howard the duck, right? Jughead, etc. They said, Hey, we like your work on sex criminals. Here is an award for humor. Right. But the humor uh, to Zdarsky, 
Sex Criminals is a collaborative effort. Right. The and humor, to give the award just to him is yes. a disservice to the creative. The humor team. doesn't exist without the writing and the art. It's and not I a that. dick move. He is speaking up in defense in support of his collaborators. And I think it's awesome. And I, I like he did come out and he said, let's make the category reflect the teams who deserve it. Or then, just or remove me. Yeah. Until then, I can't accept it. And that's noble. And he is pointing something out. And maybe it is something they need to fix. Uh, Zadarsky said that a Harvey representative told him that altering the award wasn't their call to make. Not sure how. Yeah. It's not their call like, to make. Uh, we'll have to get Mr. Harvey on the phone. <laughs> yeah. Harvey Kurtzman has been dead for decades. <laughs> so I don't know. I guess this goes to the next guy in line. Well, there's a there. It's kind of unclear or, or fix it. It may it might actually still technically be his award. Yeah. He just didn't accept it. He just he said that if if they. If they mail it to him, if the Harvey Award, physical Harvey Award shows up in the mail, he'll auction it off for the hero initiative. Fair enough. I'll tell you what, if I win a Grammy, I'm going to tell him to go screw. Joe, it sounds like there may be a Watchmen series headed to HBO. Deadline reports that HBO has met with director Zack Snyder, your favorite, about a potential television series based on Watchmen. The influential 1986 DC Comics miniseries created by Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons. Is this the final straw? And is Alan Moore finally going to kill us all? Ugh. HBO. The guy's a wizard. He can do he that. Is a wizard. <laughs> this is why Alan Moore hates us. It is. No, seriously. It is. I don't understand what they can possibly mine from Watchmen, the source material that would merit a show. I mean, would they have to go to the return to Watchmen that they did with all like, the uh, background before Watchmen? Yeah. I mean, is that where they're going oh, with this? Please. Which was good before Watchmen was very well executed. Some of it was good. Some of it was. Some of it was not so great. But it was very controversial, and I will say at the end, when it all shook out, I thought before Watchmen was pretty good. But unnecessary. Unnecessary. I agree. And I think a TV series, unnecessary. We don't need it. Listen, we're going to talk about Sandman Overture in a few minutes. Right. And so this is where I, I fall on this sort of project. If the creator of the source material says, you know what? I'd like to revisit my seminal work. Right. Please, Neil Gaiman go for it. Yeah. And I would like to write a prequel to Sandman. Yes, please do. Is it weird that DC's working with HBO? HBO confirmed the meetings saying, quote, preliminary discussions regarding Watchmen have occurred, but we have no additional information and no deals are in place. Deadline went on to say that the talks occurred months ago and yeah. HBO only finally confirmed the rumor this week. I don't know. Why is this even coming up now? Right. If there's no, well, it just leaked or something. Like, Did somebody at deadline better yet hear something better yet? The real question is, do you care? Well, I care. Uh, of course I'll watch it. If, yeah. if they're going to make a Watchmen show, I'll check it out. I'll watch it too. I don't want them to make a Watchmen show. I don't either. That's where I'm at. I don't care. I'm, I'm in the camp that, enjoyed the Watchmen movie yeah i did it had its problems i think that the Watchmen movie is a pretty faithful adaptation of Watchmen the comic book up until the end controversial statement i like the end of the movie better than the book yes i agree okay it's just like wanted i think we just lit the internet on fire yeah right (laughs) it's just like wanted we talked about it on the answer of the week a couple of weeks ago where they took the movie and they made some changes that made a lot of sense in the context Absolutely. of bringing it to the screen and it works better on the screen right. that way. And I have no problems with the Watchmen movie. Do not continue to, to dig in that mine yeah. until the town is dead. Yeah, we don't need it. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. If the stars align, 
and we're all real good boys and girls, <laughs> we might just see the return of all-star Batman and Robin. Wow. It's about goddamn time the goddamn Batman returns. <laughs> well, speaking to the comic book resources during last weekend's Batman Day celebration, DC co-publisher Jim Lee revealed that he and Frank Miller just might return oh, to their Dark Knight epic, All-Star Batman and Robin. Here's a quote. Frank is super excited to be working in comics again. This is not going to be his last project for DC. I think he means Dark Knight 3. Right. I would love to get back on All-Star Batman and Robin and close it out. He's got a great ending to the story and a really cool final scene that was described to me that is just classic. When I worked on All-Star Batman and Robin, I was just coming off of maybe four or five years of just working on Batman, and I just kind of hit a wall with it. But now that I've taken a break from it, it'll be kind of cool to jump back on and finish out. At the end of the day, you really want a nice trade and collected edition that tells the whole story, and I would love to finish that. Do you? That'll be fantastic. Do you? Okay, All-Star Batman was a thing that happened 10 years ago and quietly went away after everybody laughed at it, literally, until I think they killed it. To be... It was such... To put it fairly, fan reaction was mixed. It was some of... You agree. It was some of the worst... Oh, I hate it. ...Batman stuff you've ever read. I hate it. I hate it. It was so out of the realm. there are people out there that defend All-Star Batman and Robin... I mean, there was the famous scene of Batman slapping Dick Grayson, calling him a retard, yeah. choking him, and saying, I'm the goddamn Batman. Yeah. <laughs> they, we're not making that up. This is what Frank Miller did. So this is the quote from Jim Lee in a nutshell. Kinda, sorta, maybe. Well, I, right? I almost think it's like... It would kind of be fun. I sort of want to finish it. But doesn't it. this feel like they're teasing it to be like, hey, would anybody buy this trade if we finish it? it? Let it die. Yeah. All-Star Batman. It was horrible. And I'm sorry if you liked it. You're wrong. It was it, bad. Why? <laughs> why come back to it after so yeah, long? 10 years? Let it go. It, it just... It sounds like cash grab to me. Jim Lee. Frank Miller. Remember those names? You'll buy that, right? I'm like, ugh. Hey. Do you think people have forgotten that Frank Miller turned into a crazy racist? Yeah, no sh. Let's Leave this toss alone. the bobber into the water and see how who bites on it. Joe Patrick, in better news, Mark Wade, your boyfriend, and Chris Samney, my boyfriend, <laughs> relaunch Black Widow for the all new, all different Marvel. Marvel announced a new Black Widow ongoing series will premiere in early 2016. Entertainment Weekly describe it as a more old school spy story than the previous Black Widow. The new series will tap into Natasha's long career in espionage. Okay, time out. What else is I've it going to tap into? I've never read a Black Widow comic <laughs> that was not about her long yeah. history in espionage. Right. Like, what are we, oh, this one's all about her sister, who's an accountant in <laughs> yeah, Russia. Right. You know, like, no. It's, like, like the Nathan Edmondson Black Widow was like... Natasha's a modern New York woman who's right. just trying to get by in yeah, a, I'm done with in a big stuff. boy's world. Let's go shopping, you <laughs> no, know? <laughs> no. No, but every Black Widow solo comic ever written has been about her right. being a spy. Right. Here, how about this? Are you excited? And yes, I'm excited. Do you think it's going to sell more importantly? I don't know if it's going to sell. That's the thing. I don't know if the Black Widow can drive her own book sales wise. Like, I really liked the Edmondson book. It was fantastic. But it never got canceled. It never got canceled. It's just, I think sales just kind of dipped and dipped and dipped until we got into this all new, all different Marvel. And they went, hey, We'll relaunch it again. I hope Mark Wade's name is enough to carry this. I love Samney. We loved that team on Daredevil. I'm curious to see what they'll do here. I just don't know if it'll sell. 
So the Entertainment Weekly piece also implied that in addition to his art duties, Somni would be taking a more active role in charting the book's direction, which is kind of cool. That's cool. Uh, Talking about his approach to writing Natasha Romanov, Wade said, quote, what I always ask myself going into these things, and I ask Chris and we talk about it, is always, what's the worst thing that could possibly happen to this character? Because that tells you everything about them. That tells you what they're made of. It tells you what you're going to put them up against, their greatest fears or greatest threat. Daredevil was narrated by Daredevil, and we were very much inside Matt Murdock's head the entire time. Absolutely. Uh, We were very close to Daredevil as a person in his book, whereas with Natasha and the Black Widow, it's the opposite. We don't want to get into a running narration of what's happening in her head at every moment. We need her to be a little bit more distant and a little more removed because that's just who she is. I like that. I like that. She's not open with her thoughts and her feelings, so it's a whole different challenge with us. How do you tell emotional, really intimate stories with these characters without having that tool in our toolbox? I really like that point of view because first and foremost, Natasha Romanoff is a up spy. She had her life ruined by the Russians in the Red Room with all the training and everything. And now she's kind of removed from the real world and can't get out of her spy mentality, which was part of the problem I had with Avengers 2. We're not going to go back into it. But I thought they humanized her a little more. And in my mind, Natasha is the toughest bitch on the Avengers, man. She doesn't make mistakes. She doesn't screw up because she can't. She's ruined. You know, she, I don't think she's ruined. Well, I think at some level she's pretty effed up. I mean, we can we can agree to disagree about right. her level of <laughs> damaged status. <laughs> but I think that the idea that we don't constantly know what she's thinking is a cool thing take yeah which is completely the opposite of what we get with almost every other comic book right i don't think she should be as relatable as matt murdoch matt murdoch is a guy that we can kind of relate to he's he's a normal guy doing the hard thing you know and fighting the good fight whereas natasha romanoff comes from a world we can't even hope to understand right, spy but intrigue you know 40 years or 50 years with the character you have to humanize her a uh, little bit, sure. You know, we've are we've done the Natasha's a cold right spy who doesn't think like we do. We've done that. Like, I don't want a book that doesn't get into her inner workings and her motivations. Right. But I also don't want to know what she's thinking every moment of every page. She should be mysterious. Absolutely. This sounds like it's gonna be great. They've got Matt Wilson and Joe Carmagna coming back, so the whole gang is back together here. I think this is going to be cool as hell. Uh, it's Joe Karamanga. Joe Kawabunga. <laughs> that is the big news for this week. If you'd like to discuss these stories or everything we missed, hit us up at the THN forums where Joe and I have posted the plans and training regimen for the new THN Red Room where we'll be shaping these flabby love slaves into our very own army of trained killing machines. Every, every week, the octopus to my goldfinger, Joe Patrick, posts Yikes. the question of the week in the THN forums. Joey, what are we asking the nerds this week? That was gross. Yeah, boy. <laughs> Very graphic. Uh, this week's question comes from our good friend D. Murray. D asks, the world of comics is full of fictional elements and medicines and potions. You got your senzu beans, I guess, is a thing. Phoenix down. Phoenix down. Kryptonite. Unobtainium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. What is your favorite? This fictional. Uh, element. Fantasy potion. element. Yeah. Potion, medicine, etc. Cool. This is going to be cool. Now, this is not the same thing. 
as the question we had some months ago from Wooly Toots about your favorite artifact, like right. Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah. We're not talking about the Infinity Gauntlet. We're talking about what the Infinity Gauntlet is made of. Fictional stuff. Right. You have until 5 o'clock Central Standard Time this coming Friday, October 9th. To get us your answer, you can call and leave a message using Skype. The handle's two-headed nerd. Or you can call the Ziggurat hotline, 402-819-4894. If you're feeling fancy, you can send an MP3 to two-headed at gmail.com. Whatever you choose, keep it under two minutes. I'm tired of warning you. You know what he'll do. That's right. I can't control him. I love. don't have the laptop. I don't have that power. Tough love. If you need more time, go to the THN web forums. You've got all the space you need to give us your top 100 fictional elements. There you go. All I ask, Demetrius Murray, House Wayne on the forums, is that you consolidate all your answers into one post. <laughs> no, screw that. I want the activity. <laughs> you don't need a thousand different posts. Two or three posts is fine. Yeah, feel free to go back and edit your post and add stuff. <laughs> you can do that. I don't actually care. I mean, I, I, I'm thankful for the activity. It doesn't actually bother me. Then tune in next Thursday to hear you and your fellow listeners on the THN Answer of the Week podcast. Really, we should probably just quit this show and do that one. That's true. It'd be so much easier. Check out the ones that call the elements like a box of Each week, Joe and I pull aside two of Wednesday's new comics, strap on our monocles, and review the hell out of them. Joey, tell the kids what you picked to review this week. Bully. This week, I can't believe it. I'm reviewing Sandman Overture number six from Vertigo. It's written by Neil Gaiman, with art by J.H. Williams III, colors by Dave Stewart, and letters by Todd Klein. It's the comic you thought you would never see. It was 32 pages of main story. It was $3.99. There's some extra stuff thrown in there for uh, you fancy lads and lasses. There was a preview of The Twilight Children by one of the Hernandez brothers, whose name I don't remember which one. Gilbert, probably. It's Gilbert. Yeah. And Darwin Cook, mm-hmm. a black and white preview of the full first issue. Neato. And they threw it in for free. That's sweet of him. Boom. Morpheus is traveling creation with a cat. That's also him. And a dead girl named Hope. <laughs> okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> all in an attempt to save existence from an insane star that threatens to destroy everything. Did you follow all that? <laughs> Welcome to Sandman. <laughs> Neil Gaiman's writing is almost review proof in the sense that it's nearly impossible not to just get lost in it. He weaves together so many disparate threads that come together seamlessly. And it could be very easy for it to just be confusing and and complex just for the sake of it and not actually mean anything. Right. But that's not how it is with Gaiman. AKA like Grant Morrison sometimes. <laughs> yes, but even Grant Morrison thinks that he knows what he's doing. Right. I, yeah, you would think so. Elements that didn't make a ton of sense earlier in the series pay off here over a year later as dozens of characters step in and out of the book. Alongside his collaborators, Gaiman pours more imagination into these final 30 or so pages than any other 30 comics you'll read this year or this month. Yeah. I can't really get into the story. It's too complex. There's There's too much going on. There's almost no reason. And it's the final issue. And I'm not going to tell you what happens. Right. But Gaiman brings it all together in such a perfect way that it ushers you right all right up to the very first page of Sandman number one from 1988 or 89. It takes you uh, complete with like 
Sam Keith's first panel from Sandman number one with J.H. Williams uh, drawing like in the borders of it. It's wonderful. I don't know what more you can say about the art team of J.H. Williams the third and Dave Stewart. Yeah. Other than they're slow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dave Stewart is not slow. That dude cranks out like 17 books a month. Right. J.H. Williams, the other hand. Williams, he is an alien from another planet. He shifts so effortlessly between styles and mediums, even within a single page. I honestly don't understand how, like literally how Stewart was able to go in and add color to what must have looked yeah. like mental vomit. Yeah. <laughs> truly. The page. Truly. Sometimes. Where uh, it looks in a like good way. Right. J.H. Williams <laughs> shot himself and like okay, right. ideas bled onto the page. <laughs> and somehow he makes the book look even better. Plus, you've got lettering that's just as much a part of the art as anything else, thanks to the legendary Todd Klein, who also lettered the original series. And the whole team merges together to form some sort of creative devastator, the most powerful of all Transformers. <laughs> okay, devastator robot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> devastator is a being that's greater than the sum of its parts, and that's what happens when you bring these guys together that's to collaborate. That's what happens when the Constructicons get together. Yeah, it's weird, right? <laughs> and they had to keep topping Devastator and then making him look, and then trying to make him look impressive. Right. Next to like, Omega Supreme. <laughs> That dude is a whole town. All right, all right, all right. All right. We're, little, we're getting a little off base here. Oh no, Devastator, it's Metroplex. <laughs> Transformers Corner. You can't talk about this book without mentioning the glacial release schedule. If I had been reading this month to month, this review would probably end a little differently. Fortunately for me, I read this entire series over the course of a couple of days. So I didn't have to wait for the stunning conclusion. I just sat down and I barreled through it over a couple of lunch hours at work. Sandman Overture is the kind of comic book that elevates the art form. And I know that it's not everyone's cup of tea. And that's kind of a cop out to say that about books. Where it's like, it's not for everyone. And we've been called out for it in well, the past. But it is some really heady comic booking. But it, the fact remains is that there are people that are just not going to be into this. Yeah. And I get it. Yeah. But as a huge fan of the original series, this prequel was absolutely worth the wait. I'm glad... That after number one came out, I said, okay, when it became clear that these books were never going to come out on time, right? I went, all right, I'm not going to read them. I'm just going to wait and yeah. then read it. And that was the right move because as a single experience, it's an absolute buy it. I can't speak to the month, you know, the issue to issue waiting. I didn't do it, but. I can see how somebody would be annoyed by it, but absolutely. And I get it. And I was annoyed by it. And honestly, I didn't read this all in one shot. And it took a lot of thumping my skull to remember what the hell was going on when I read this, but it was perfect. This was just solid. I think you can go ahead and give them the best miniseries award for both our Beppo and the, uh, I don't know if they're eligible. Yeah. They very well may not be. <laughs> I bet they, I bet they get it though. Uh, what am I trying to say? The Eisner. Eisner. Go ahead and give them the Eisner for best miniseries, whether they're eligible or not. It's just a perfect match for everything that's come before. Agreed. Matt bomb. What was your reading selection this week? This week, I am reviewing From Under Mountains from Image Comics. This is written by Claire Gibson and Marion Churchland with art by Sloan Long, or Leong, Sloan Leong, and Brandon Graham. 
I'll be honest. Yeah, Brandon Graham. Yeah. He's, he's credited. Yeah, he drew a two-page map at the back. It was in there. <laughs> I'm still waiting for Graham's Eight House Universe to congeal Make any kind of sense. into some type of yeah. universe. <laughs> this wasn't even branded. No. With the Eight House brand. I didn't know until I like read. I went and read some stuff online and went, oh... I saw you mention it in the text of your review last night when I was writing and I had to stop what I was doing and Google it because I'd never heard anything about this right. being part of eight house. And honestly, I read it first, not knowing that it was part of eight house. Right. And then when I found out it was part of eight house, I went, Oh, and you get that feeling very much. So from the other eight house stuff, this very much has that same weird, somewhat recognizable world. Very slow form story, long form, slow storytelling. The story is told more through the art than through a lot of the dialogue. The writers are working a very slow burn fantasy tale here, and it's starring two unlikely partners, the princess and Tova, who I think are going to get together. But there is a lot of other characters that are sort of dumped on us without any handholding, much like all the other eight house stuff. The real star of the art, the real star is the art here, though, by Leong. And Graham had the two-page thing. Her art is beautiful. I really. did not like it. Really? Yeah. I'm shocked. I, I really didn't. enjoyed it. And I thought it gave it this very story, fantasy storybook feel. I wasn't into it. Really? See, she reminded me kind of Paul Pope, very loose with yeah, some of her sketching but... and stuff, but really good with emotion. But Paul Pope's got such style to his artwork. Yeah. But I didn't I didn't feel it. Okay. I, mean, I will say go on with your review, but I I just didn't I will say there was not they weren't heavy on the backgrounds. <laughs> I'll say that. And I thought that the coloring was not great. It was See, I didn't have a problem with the coloring. I don't know. I thought the coloring worked well for the desert scapes and gave it I mean it was very one note, but I think they're kind of trying to show you that that's where this kingdom is and that's how it is. And that's why these people want to see what else is out there. Perhaps that's a stretch, but and maybe, okay. <laughs> All right. but I didn't hit me as like boring. I will say there is a lot going on in this story and I don't know where it's going yet. It's just very gutsy storytelling and not something that you see in comics very much anymore. Like, Hey, pay attention. There's going to be a payoff, but it might not be until way down the line for now. The whole eight house universe, like we said, feels a little directionless. And I was going to give this a buy it because I feel like they really are taking on a, a really gutsy experiment, but I can only give it a skim it. Well, now, I don't think it deserves a skim it on the basis of how they're executing eight house. All of the eight house books are their own things. No, that's that's correct. But what I'm saying is they all have suffered a little bit in the fact that I read them and I can't tell you what the story is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I don't, I honestly have no idea where the story is going because this wasn't even set up. This was more like you flipped on the TV five minutes into a program that was already happening. There's a little bit of that. I mean, I didn't have any trouble following the story. It's, it's kind of, um, I don't want to say simple or, or, or cliched, but it's not a very challenging yeah. setup. You know, there's a kingdom, there's a daughter that wants to be more than what she's allowed to be. Sure. There's a son who wants to fight against his own expectations. There's an assassin. 
it's all it's it's got a lot of tropes and it's not poorly executed story-wise i just could not get into the art really i had a hard time telling some of the characters apart i said i liked her art i i thought if marion churchland had drawn this book we'd be having a way different conversation because when we got to the back of the book yeah and it showed her sketchbook i was like this is so much better yeah and she had already mapped out like the panels and everything i don't know she did all the layouts i don't know why they chose to go with this other woman but i liked her art i thought it was yeah i just i wasn't into it and you know props for having an all-female creative team obviously aside from brandon graham literally he's credited but he did a two-page like map of the kingdom right and i think he did not draw any of the story and the whole eight house thing is sort of his it's idea curated by brandon Graham. right but you've got all female creative team uh doing a cast that's predominantly female it's all very cool and you know it's you know our, our inside joke is that haha joe hates fantasy hey let me tell you about all the fantasy things that i like right um but really I did not find anything to sink my teeth into See, with that's this. That's kind of where I'm at too. Like it, not to mention the fact that you didn't brand it right. It's we had no idea this was an eight house well, book until we dug into it a little bit. But maybe and that's not, to its maybe that is a benefit because I didn't be. judge it as part of the eight house line when I read it. Could be, but I guess I have to now that I found out it was and looking at all the stories that are kind of being told in the same way with this very loose narrative that's letting you gently stroll through the story, basically. And I just don't know if it's working. Well, I feel like the branding is weird. I feel like the story is loose and I'm not really biting down on any of it. The thing so far about eight house is that whether it was branded or not, the second eight house book Kiev was so completely different from arc light. Yeah. That unless that if it didn't have the eight house label on it, you could have just told me it was a completely different story. Right. And that's all well and good. I don't know why they're connected. I don't know how they're connected. Will it all play out? That's up to Graham and his collaborators to Mm -hmm. decide as far as from under mountains specifically is concerned, separate from the eight house label for me. I just couldn't get into it. I'm giving it a skim it because it's well executed. I didn't care for the art so much. Um, but I can tell there's a lot of promise there. There was a lot of thought put into it. Yeah, there's a lot of, a work lot went of into planning. This. I just don't know if I care to go with them. I'm with you. So that is a double buy it for Salmon Overture and a double skim it for From Under Mountains. As always, we want to know what you captive princesses and dream lords thought of these comics. Is a plural of princess, princesses, or princess? Like it's oh, princesses. Look, a gaggle of princess. <laughs> no, it's princesses. The Disney princesses. Right, right, right. So project your opinions from beyond the realm of sleep, or just head to the THN forums by clicking the forum button at twoheadednerd.com. Shortly after the announcement that NASA had discovered proof of liquid water on Mars, Matt and I pulled some strings with his ex-girlfriend, mutant rock star Lila Cheney. Girlfriend's a strong term. To okay. teleport us to Mars to be the first to skinny dip in the Martian hot springs. As it turns out, it's adult swim only on Mars, and seeing as Martians live for upwards of 400 years, Matt and I were mere babes. I had no idea. That had no business in the Martian pool. So join us now as we try to outcrawl stroke lifeguard John Jones himself while we review 10 more of this week's comics during the ludicrous speed round. It's not fair because he can fly. 
Also, he can grow as many arms as he wants. It's true. He can turn into a fish. <laughs> Ludicrous speed! Go! Void of Heroes, number one from Cosmic Times. This one is based on a multiplayer mech game, and the art here was very nice, but also very video game, if you know what I mean. Detailed, digitally affected, the whole shebang. There was page after page of ruined futuristic wasteland and some huge narration boxes that never clued me into what was going on. I'm not sure if there's a person driving the mech around or if maybe it's possessed by someone's spirit. All I can tell you is they're depressed and they want to get the hell out of here, but I'm not sure what else is going on, so I'm giving it a skim it. Okay. Disciples, number four from Black Mask. I really enjoyed this quick little sci-fi horror series from Steve Niles and Christopher Mitten. It's a little sparse in terms of plot and dialogue, like, if you look at the four issues, there's not a whole lot going on. But it's fast-paced. I love Mitten's art. It's creepy as hell. I hope they come back to tell more stories in this world. I'm giving it a buy it. Cool. Bloodthirsty, One Nation, Underwater, number one from Titan. Writer Mark Landry is from New Orleans, and he watched as the city was leveled by Hurricane Katrina. Ten years later, he's written a very interesting crime noir look at a man that helped save several Katrina survivors and stumbled across a mass murderer in the process. This was really well written. Exceptional art by Ashley Witter. She is very, very talented. She also works on Scorriers. I'm saying buy it. Hail Hydra number three from Marvel. Rick Remender is one of several writers that I've noticed that are essentially ignoring some of the blank slate nature of Secret Wars to tell stories with the same characters they've been writing all along. Sam Humphreys did it in Star-Lord and Kitty Pride. He did. Here, the nomad that Remender's been writing since the beginning of his Captain America run finds himself in a realm where Hydra built or controls everything he's ever loved. There's a lot to like here. Uh, there's some stuff to like here. But it's really reminiscent of Remender's first Dimension Z arc, but in reverse. The art, though, is super inconsistent thanks to multiple inkers. And I like uh, Roland Bashi. Yeah. Uh, but multiple inkers made this book look weird. That's too bad. All right, I'm sticking to my guns. I'm, I'm being generous. I'm giving it a skim it. But that's only because I personally am still having a little bit of fun with it. I'm finding things to like about it. But this issue was a real mixed bag. Okay. <laughs> Book of Death, The Fall of Harbinger, one shot from Valiant. I can't say this enough. All the Book of Death specials have been amazing. And Joshua Dysart's chapter here about Harbinger, where we see the final fight. Hardbringer. Hardbringer, where we see the final fight between an elderly Peter Stanchek and Toyo Harada was incredible. And it featured some of the most insane and psychedelic art I have ever seen from Kano. Beautifully colored. I love Kano. He is so good. And you don't need to read any of the Valiant books to know anything about these. If this was the first Hardbringer book that you picked up, I'm telling you, it would hook you. It was so good. I have to give this a buy it. This might be one of the best comics I've read this year. Kano is my favorite Mortal Kombat character. He's a dork. I'm just kidding. Batman Arkham Knight Annual, number one from DC. I love the Arkham games, but I've never bothered with the comics. Reading this didn't really convince me that I'm missing anything. <laughs> the creative team is solid. You've got Pete Tomasi and Steven Segovia, but all this really contributed was some huge spoilers for people that haven't already finished the game. Oh, not started the game. Finished. Finished the game. Got it. 40 pages of... Spoiler alert. Stuck in his own head, working through doubts I've already seen him deal with ad nauseum in the main universe. No 
Thanks. Yeah, I liked all the Arkham games, but I always thought the stories were really stupid. Like, I kind of don't give a shit about what's going on in the story of it's Arkham. Dumb. Of Arkham anything. Yeah, it's just dumb. Just let me be Batman. Yeah. Leave it! Colder. Toss the bones. Number one from Dark Horse. Gross. The first Colder series was so weird, it was a little tough for me to finish, but... The amazing art of Juan Ferreira Ferreira kept me coming back. Toss the bones, picks up right where the last series left off. After our hero Declan lost his fingers in the dream world, now another very pale person has stepped out of that world and is stalking him. The whole thing is so weird that I... You know I... that this is the third volume, right? Oh, is it? Yes. Oh, I think I missed the second one. Yeah, no wonder you're confused. <laughs> Regardless, the whole thing was so weird, I kind of lost interest. The art really is absolutely beautiful. I love Juan Ferreira. It's incredible, but the story doesn't seem like it's going to hook me, so I'm giving it a skim it. All right. Rick and Morty, number six from Oni. This is a special all-ball fondlers issue. <laughs> if you don't know what ball fondlers is... Do not Google it. <laughs> no, just trust us. <laughs> just, uh, if you must, Google the Rick and Morty uh, alternate universe cable episode. <laughs> but it's drawn by Headlopper's Andrew McLean. He's so cool. The Rick and Morty comic is one of the best, most faithful tie-in books I've ever read. It actually captures the tone and humor of the show in a way that a lot of tie-ins struggle with. Yeah. Like, people say... You know what? The Simpsons comic's pretty good. It's funny, but it's not funny like no. the Simpsons show is I feel funny. the same way about regular show. I can watch regular show all day, but the con it just doesn't translate to comics well. But the Rick and Morty comic is funny like the Rick and Morty show. Awesome. It's awesome. Buy it. American Vampire, second cycle, number 10 from Vertigo. As we learned from Friday the 13th, Leprechaun, and Hellraiser, every horror story ends up in outer space sooner oh, or later. no, really? An American Vampire... Ends up right there. It's turned from a very interesting historical look at vamps in American history to sci-fi conspiracy, and I'm not sure I'm loving it anymore. Albuquerque's art is still just incredible. Snyder's story is interesting enough, but I just feel like this lost something when it left the past. Well, they're still in the past, right? It, no, they're like in the 60s. I guess. I, I mean, it was when the series started. Yeah. When the second cycle started. I mean, I guess. It's just gotten so futuristic and outer spacey that it doesn't feel like the 60s anymore to me. Skim it. The Cavalry Shield 50th Anniversary One Shot from Marvel, rounding out our complete yeah. reviews of all your uh, fifth Shield anniversary. The only one we didn't review is Quake. Oh, which I noticed when I looked at my stack of Shield 50th Anniversary One Shots. And we missed the Quack one. Then we missed the Quack one. I read a bunch of these Shield One Shots. Most of them have been great. Some of them not so great. In fact, I want to take a quick moment to say. That Matt was totally wrong about the Mockingbird one-shot. It was amazing. It was cute. It was amazing. And she's getting her own ongoing series, which I said, and you said, that's not going to happen. I don't recall that at all. And there's no nerd bet on the table there. I would have it recorded. There's no nerd bet on the table, uh, but you said it. Something like BS. I was right, I and you idiot. were wrong. Now, they brought her on this show. Of course she's going to get her book. Whatever. This was the first one of these one-shots that seemed completely meh. There's nothing wrong with it. The story by Jody Hauser is fine. Luke Ross's art is lovely as always. But I think this issue highlights a problem with taking the TV characters and bringing them to comics. They're established players in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but it's hard to make them seem interesting when they're thrown against the backdrop of the Marvel Comic Universe. Totally agree. Where there's already a thousand right. very cool S.H.I.E.L.D. agents with right. powers and costumes and yeah. whatever. I'm saying don't try and do that. And yeah, it's just 
There's no reason. They don't they, do it. They're just not as cool outside of the context yeah. of the show. Like, you want to stick Phil Coulson in S.H.I.E.L.D. in the book? Fine, but just make him another S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. Phil Coulson. I'm fine with that. Yeah. I'm giving this a gimmick because it's fine. It, they've, it's well executed. They've done their job. I don't give a <laughs> about the TV characters in the comic universe. I don't either. Splat! That is your ludicrous speed round, and Splat! is not only the onomatopoeia of the week, but it's also the sound of a woman getting knocked to pieces by a bus. It was violent. As seen <laughs> in this week's issue of Colder, Toss the Bones. There's that one Ferrari era. He knows exactly what we look like inside. <laughs> <laughs> now run Matt and I down with a busload of your opinions of everything you read this week over at the THN forums. We're all pink on the inside, baby. This week in the Sanctum Sanctorum, Joe and I invited Dr. Zebediah Kilgrave, better known as the Purple Man, to sit down with exiting Speaker of the House, John Boehner, better known as the Orange Man, for a little wine and mind control to find out why he really decided to retire and what comics he's excited to read next week. Joey, what are you pumped to read? Next week is a gigantic release week for comics. Like it's the, huge. La- the last two weeks have been so sparse. Well, we can't have two short weeks without like a truckload getting dumped on us. <laughs> it was really difficult to make one pick, but I had to settle on Paper Girls, number one from Image Comics, written by Brian K. Period Vaughn, with art by Cliff Chang. It's 48 pages for $2.99. Hot damn. Hot damn indeed. Here's your solicit. Mega writer Brian K. Period Vaughn <laughs> launches a brand new series with superstar wonder woman artist cliff chang for those of you who don't know uh we have to scream all the caps you don't have to explain every gimmick they get it (laughs) not everybody does in the early hours after halloween of 1988 four 12 year old newspaper delivery girls uncovered the most important story of all time stand by me meets war of the worlds in this mysterious young adult adventure starting with a spectacular double-sized first issue for the regular price of just $2.99. Is it just me or is that whole Stand By Me plus War of the Worlds thing completely new information? Yeah, spoiler alert too, right? Okay, so the girls like find out there's an alien invasion coming? Uh, also, did we not just get Stand By Me plus superheroes a couple weeks ago? We did, we did. What was the name of that book? Plutona. Plutona, that's right. All right, well, I've been excited for this book since it was announced at the Image Expo. I love Cliff Chang. Super excited for it. I love Cliff Chang too. So good. Uh. I am thrown off by the implication that there will be aliens involved in this story, but how can you not trust this creative team? It's going to be great. Matt, what's your pick? Doctor Strange, number one, is my pick for next week from Marvel, written by Jason Aaron with art by Chris Bacallo. 40 pages for $4.99. Here's your solicit. Who do you call when things are coming out of your dreams and trying to kill you? Or when your daughter is cursing in Latin and walking like a spider? Ray Parker Jr. left those lyrics on the cutting room floor. (laughs) Or when your dog keeps screaming at you to strangle your neighbors. Dr. Strange! (laughs) (laughs) Of course, he's the only person standing between us and the forces of darkness. But... Has he been paying his tab? Every act of magic has a cost. And Jason Aaron and Chris Pacalo are going to put Stephen Strange 
through hell to even the scales. I kind of mix my metaphors there because there's no such thing as the cutting room floor when it comes to music. Not that's, really. That's like a movie. They maybe we just like it's sit like in a notebook editing. or something, yeah. right? It sounds like they're taking Doctor Strange in the horror direction that I love to see him in. This is one of my favorite artists and currently one of my favorite writers. I can't wait to read a new monthly Doctor Strange book. I'm very excited for this. Everyone should be. It's going to be awesome. The THN trade of the week goes to the Convergence hardcover from DC. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, <laughs> like, you guys. You're like, no more. You push Convergence on these kidding. people enough, all right? <laughs> it's the Human Body Theater hardcover and softcover from First Second Books, written and illustrated by Maris Wicks. It's 240 pages. It's $19.99 for the hardcover or $14.99 for the softcover. Here's your solicit. From bones to skin and everything in between, Human Body Theater takes readers on a fascinating and highly educational tour of the body in comics format. Welcome to the Human Body Theater, where your master of ceremonies is going to lead you through a theatrical review of each and every biological system of the human body. This sounds awesome. <laughs> Starting out as a skeleton, the MC puts on a new layer of her costume, her body, with each act. By turns goofy and intensely informative, the human body theater is always accessible and always entertaining. Is it all ages? I think it is. Okay. This sounds awesome. The reason I picked it is because Maris Wicks drew the primates graphic novel that you and Willie Toots reviewed while I was gone on my honeymoon. It's true. I have a feeling there will be less monkeys getting blowjobs in this one. No guarantees. <laughs> I love First Second Books. They put out so many great graphic novels every year. I love Maris Wicks. Yeah. This sounds like a ton of fun. It's like a song and dance yeah. uh, anatomy lesson in comic book form. Really and cool. And somehow that's going to work. That sounds great. I'm into it. Joe, I know I promised this was going to stay innocent, and now the Speaker of the House is shirtless and making fart noises on Vine. I got to put a stop to this, no matter how hilarious it is. I'm going to walk the Speaker and my purple buddy to the door. In the meantime, can you lead the kids to the forums and have them tell us what they are excited to read next week? Just some quick housekeeping here, nerds. We had a little bit of technical difficulties with our final segment this week, so it's a slightly shorter show than usual. I apologize. Won't be a problem again. But while I've got you, please head over to the THN forums. I'm going to have a new section built for our rotating segments. We'd like to hear from you. What kind of a rotating segment would you like us to hear once a month, every once in a while, something like that? We'd love to hear your suggestions. Hit us up at the THN forums. You'll hear how to get to them shortly here and thank you for your patience instead of our final rotating segment i'm going to play this call from elise wisdom from last week's answer of the week we were rude and we cut her off it turns out she got around to what she was trying to say this is my way of apologizing to you and please if you don't listen to the answer of the week here's a little taste of it check it out it's a really good time we post a question on our forums and then you guys answer it here is elise's call Hey nerds, it's Elise Wisdom here to answer this week's question about favorite time travelers. I almost went with sex criminals, and I almost went with Ash from Army of Darkness, but I had to go with my gut instinct, and that is Hot Tub Time Machine. This movie is hilarious, and all the scenes where Crispin Glover may or may not lose his arm are some of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. But that's not why I'm picking this movie. I'm picking this movie because I love John Cusack. I love Lloyd Dobler, Martin Blank, and Rob Gordon. But as much as I love Lloyd Dobler, and how could I not, I really hate the ending to say anything. At the end of that movie, he says he's decided what he wants to do with his life. 
He wants to be Ioni Sky's boyfriend. And then he gets on a plane and goes to England with her while she joins a think tank and becomes a genius. Bad decision, bro. Trust me on this. I moved to Los Angeles because I thought I wanted to be somebody's girlfriend, and we can all see how well that turned out. So I like to imagine that John Cusack's character in Hot Tub Time Machine is basically Lloyd Dobler in the future. I'm sure everything was great in England at first, but slowly they realize, holy crap, we're 18 years old, we just made a huge mistake. But neither of them wants to admit it and be the bad guy, so they try to stick it out. Maybe Lloyd gets a job at a movie theater. Yoni Sky spends more and more time at the think tank and they grow apart. Eventually they admit it's not working and Lloyd comes home and goes back to hanging out with his old high school buddies. He has no college degree or any real skills, so he gets a job selling insurance and slowly becomes a bitter and weary man. Then the hot tub comes and takes him and his friends back to the 80s and Lloyd Dahlberg gets a do-over and everybody's happy. Yay! I love that movie. Also, Matt, remember how a couple weeks ago you asked what I did for a living? Do you want to take a guess? I work in insurance. Sort of break it down like this. And that is it for the Rocktober Begins episode of THN If You Dig Podcasts. I forget they have a rotating segment once a month. Yeah, and then totally panic and force somebody to do it for Every them. month. <laughs> you can subscribe to this show on iTunes, Stitcher, or TuneIn. And while you're there, please, please leave us your star ratings, your reviews, your thumbs up. It helps so much, you guys. Thank you to all of our donors. And if you want to help support THN, you can do so by clicking our PayPal button at twoeditor.com. If you want to become a sustaining member, it's as easy as clicking the Make This Donation Monthly box, and as little as a dollar a month really does help. If you're interested in sponsoring THN, you can shoot us an email with the subject line, Sponsorship, that email. Also, Joe and I have been kicking around some Patreon ideas that we would like to bounce off you guys in the forums. So head over there. I'll post something this week. I just want to see if anyone would even be interested in some of the ideas we have. While you are at TwoHeadedNerd.com. You can find links to all of our contact info via Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Tumblr, where we post the outtake of the week, Skype, and the Ziggurat Hotline. Memorize this phone number, nerds, 402-819-4894. And don't forget... It only took Matt two years to memorize. It's true. <laughs> don't forget to sign up for the THN forums. It's your little virtual piece of the Ziggurat. We talk about them all the time because they're awesome. You can go there to discuss this week's show. You can ask us to review your self-published comic. You can learn all about all our stupid segments and how you can be a part of them, or you can just rap about comics. If you dig the music you hear on the show, you can follow our soundtrack playlist on Spotify by searching for Matt Bomb's Spotify profile. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to all the boys at the VG Empire. That's VGM Pyre podcast, who just hit their 100th episode VG Empire is a show that celebrates video game music in true nerd fashion. And for their 100th episode, they had all their hosts and friends call in with their favorite video game songs of all time. It was awesome. It's must-listen stuff for any video game nerd. Word to you, boys. Here is to 100 more. And by the way, my favorite video game song of all time goes to the Kid Icarus theme song, the original NES. Really? It's so Good. Are you going to be playing it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In it's playing outro? in the background right now. Okay. <laughs> Until next time, true believers, remember to pre order your comics because your retailer might be forced to moonlight as a vintage video game soundtrack DJ if you don't. And I would go to that party. That would be awesome. This is the Two Headed Nerd signing off. I mean, it doesn't really sound like much of a punishment. Well, no, I'm just saying he'd be forced to do it. Yeah. Okay. It'd be cool for us. I can think of worse things. It'd be a pain in the ass for him. <laughs> yeah, okay. Him, her. 